welcome to the Queen's Church Sermon Podcast. Our church is being built on two vision statements. Jesus is our passion and love is our mission. We hope this message leads you to Jesus and that next week you'll join us in person to experience God's love through this local church. You can follow us online at qns.church. Right. Uh, hey, open up to Matthew chapter 6. As soon as you get there, say, I got it. My name is uh, Danny, one of the pastors here. So grateful that I get to share the word uh, this morning. I'm excited to do so. Uh, we're going to be continuing our series through the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which is something we started a while back, and then we took a pause for a little bit. Uh, and then last week, we kind of jumped back in it, uh, where we, we started talking about the discipline of prayer, right? As Christians, as believers in Jesus, uh, we're called to practice different spiritual disciplines to help us grow in our relationship with God. And so one of those disciplines is prayer. So uh, last week, Larry talked about kind of the heart and motivation behind prayer, uh, like why we do it. Is it for others to, to be able to see us and we heap up all these empty words just to, to show off, right, that we're awesome prayer people? Um, but the reality is uh, the, the heart behind our prayer is what really, really matters. Uh, an amazing sermon. If you missed it last week, go check it out on the podcast. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew 6. We're going to be in a couple of other verses. They'll be on the screen, uh, and I'm excited. So now we're going to kind of get practical uh, with this understanding of prayer, uh, meaning, how, like, how do we do this? And, and maybe you've been a Christian for uh, your entire life, or you just became a Christian like, like yesterday. I don't know. Um, I believe there's going to be something for us to learn and grow from uh, this sermon, and I'm excited about it. We're going to be looking at the Lord's Prayer which is one of the most fascinating passages of all of Scripture. Uh, it's one of the most well-known, one of the most memorized passages of all of Scripture. Uh, I remember the first time I heard this, um, I, I heard it not in a church, right? And, and when I say this, you'll maybe understand what I mean. I heard this prayer not in a church. I heard it inside a football locker room. If you're from Texas, you know exactly what I mean. Because in Texas, football is a religion, and they incorporate it all together, right? Uh, and I remember being in junior high, and my brother was on the varsity football team. And in the locker room, before every game and after every game, they would say the Lord's Prayer. And I was like, man, this is cool. And I remember like thinking, like, this is awesome. Uh, only to realize, after studying the Bible, this prayer has nothing to do with football, right? That might be mind-blowing to some of y'all, right? Maybe the Chiefs right now are saying the Lord's Prayer, right? Amen for Sunday? I don't know. We'll see. But... But it's a famous passage, one that's well-studied, one that's, that people just go after, one that people memorize, uh, and I'm excited to dive into this. Uh, before we get into the text, I have this question. How many of y'all have ever heard this phrase before? You can just raise your hand. The phrase is this, there are no dumb questions. Anybody ever heard that phrase? Wow, everybody in the room. Awesome, good job. Right, there are no dumb questions. Uh, sometimes people say this phrase, like maybe someone's giving a presentation and, and you're sitting there and you're just kind of being flooded with information, right? We've done this before, like in our grow track settings that we just kind of like flood all this information on you guys and then we say does anybody have any questions and it's kind of quiet a little bit and someone says there are no dumb questions meaning don't be afraid to ask a question and I think people say that phrase uh, just to kind of motivate people to be willing to ask the question because sometimes we're afraid to ask a question thinking that somebody else or everybody else in the room already knows that answer and we don't want anybody else to think that I don't know that answer because then they're going to think I'm dumb or they're going to think I'm less than or something. So we, we're afraid to ask the question and maybe we pull the teacher aside afterwards. Hey, I really did have a question and he's like, bro, like, I asked you so many times. There are no dumb questions. Somebody asked the question, right? Um, and so uh, people preface that phrase with just this understanding uh, to motivate people to not be afraid to ask 
questions. And here's why I say this. Before getting into to Matthew chapter 6, uh, there's another passage of Scripture that has the Lord's Prayer in Luke chapter 11. And here's what happens. It's going to be on the screen, Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. The disciples, what they're doing is they're watching Jesus pray, right? So it says this. Uh, go to the one before that, Matt. They're watching Jesus pray. Uh, maybe it's not on there. I don't know. Well, but here's the thing. They're watching Jesus pray, and as they're watching him, uh, they, they say this, Lord, teach us how to pray, right? That they go up to Jesus, and they say, teach us how to pray. They're watching Jesus do his thing. They're watching Jesus pray. And, and maybe in this moment, uh, I, I try to picture this, like, scenario taking place. Disciples are together, and then they see Jesus praying, and someone says, man, we don't pray like that. Look how awesome that dude is praying. Somebody go ask him how to pray. And they're like, I'm not going to ask him. Like, you go ask him. And Peter's like, I'll go ask him, right? Because Peter's always the one who's not afraid to ask questions, right? And in this moment, you don't see Jesus respond with, wait, you guys don't know how to pray? That's like Christianity 101. Like, that's the most basic thing you have to know and understand in being a Christian, right? You don't know how to pray, right? That's not how Jesus responds, right? In other words, what Jesus does is he's not afraid to, be, uh, to, to listen to their questions. He's not afraid to be asked those questions because Jesus' desire is to continually push his people in the right direction when it comes to their relationship with him, right? He doesn't have this response of, man, shame on you. You don't know how to pray. If, like, if, we, if we think that about the disciples who left everything to follow Jesus, in my mind, they're like the super Christians, right, because we get to read about them. But then we hear right here that they're not afraid to ask Jesus, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to do this, right? There are no dumb questions, right? Look at the person next to you. Say, there are no dumb questions, right? Later on, you're going to have a question about the sermon, and, and come ask me. There's no dumb questions, right? I don't, we'll see what happens. But Jesus is willing to teach them how to do this because he wants to point them in the right direction when it comes to their relationship with him. And they're not afraid to ask these questions. And the reality is, we have to understand that as soon as we come to faith in Jesus, as soon as we place our faith in him, we're not just going to automatically become expert Christians, right? So we have to be willing to ask these questions. We have to be willing to kind of go back to the basics of something like prayer, which can be very basic, but also can be very, very just like, I don't even understand how to do this thing because I'm talking to someone that I don't even see right now, right? And so this, there's this kind of weird situation. So let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Disciples, kind of the context, they're, they're asking Jesus how to pray. And Jesus says this, uh, pray then like this. I'm going to read the whole Sermon on the Mount, but just the first two verses will be on there. Sorry, not the whole Sermon on the Mount, the whole Lord's Prayer. I've done that before in a message, believe me or not. But looking at the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to keep going. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Man, it's beautiful. We're going to focus just on the first two verses of that, right? Just on verses 9 and 10. Larry's going to unpack the rest of the stuff later. But we're going to focus on the first two verses, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, looking at this prayer that Jesus is teaching the disciples. I have another question for you all. Remember, there are no dumb questions. How many of you guys have ever been in an awkward conversation before? Some of y'all, hey, everybody in the room. This is great. It's going good, right? Awkward conversation. Maybe you meet somebody for the first time, and then you're kind of like, yeah, you're kind of talking. You're making small talk. You talk about sports, and then you talk about the weather, and then you talk about how sometimes the weather affects sports, and then you're just like, all right, well, that was, that was cool. All right, well, and then you kind of like, it gets awkward. All right, I'll see you later. That was a good conversation, right? Have a good one. Right, you try to find a way to just get out of there quick, right? 
because it's an awkward thing to have an awkward conversation. Like, yeah, maybe I'll check you on Facebook or something else. I don't know. It's easier to text someone than talk to them in person. But here's the thing. I feel like oftentimes we, we, we come to this thing called prayer with God, and we, we have this awkwardness about it because maybe we already know how to do it, right? That we, that we wake up in the morning, and we ask God for stuff, and we tell him what we need, and in 30 seconds we're done. We say amen. We're like, all right, I hope that worked, right? And we just, we just spend these little moments, and we just ask God for stuff, usually. If you're like me, that, that's really how my prayer life began, is I didn't know how to pray, and I asked God for stuff, and then I say amen, and close, like, close my eyes, open my eyes, all right, that was good, awesome, I hope it worked, and you really have no idea until you see something happen, right? But here's the thing, prayer doesn't have to be awkward, right? It doesn't have to be this awkward moment where there's silence, and then you don't even know, like, what to say, or what to do, or how to listen, or what. I believe that Jesus is teaching us here that prayer is very personal. Prayer is very intimate and doesn't have to be awkward, right? Because the reality is that sometimes what we do is we treat prayer as a monologue, right? Right now, this is a monologue, meaning I'm speaking and you guys are doing what? Listening, right? Sometimes when we're praying to God, we just do all the speaking and then we say amen, then we open our eyes and we're done, right? When I believe that prayer is actually a dialogue, it's a conversation between us and God, that as we're talking to God, we also have to close our mouths for a second and just listen to God, right? Which that can get really, really awkward because then, like, silence is just awkward altogether, right? We don't like silence in our culture. And, and whenever we think we want to be, like, silent or quiet, the first thing we do is we put AirPods on and we listen to music. That's not silence, right? You're just putting more st noise into your brain, right? And we live in a very, very loud, noisy culture that it's hard to sit in silence, right? I, I think that maybe that's why Jesus says, go pray in secret, right? Find your room. Go, go do this in silence. That way we can have those moments of where we're listening to God. Because prayer is not a monologue. It's a dialogue. It's a conversation where we go back and forth, where we tell God our, our needs, our wants, our desires, our worries. We also listen to God for what he wants us to do. Because I believe that there's so many moments in prayer that God desires to point us in a direction where he wants to use us for his glory and use us for his mission, right? So right now, I'm speaking, you're listening. This is not the way it works in prayer. And if you're unsure of how to pray, don't be ashamed about that, right? Disciples, super Christians, left everything, followed Jesus. They were unsure of how to pray. And they were willing to ask Jesus, teach us how to do this, man, because you obviously do it great, right? I remember the first time I remember praying. It's the first time I remember praying. Um, I had got invited, I was like in 7th or 8th grade, uh, to a youth group. And I remember that in this youth group, there was like a lot of people, there was a lot of music. Uh, and at the end of it, there was a response time, which we do that every single Sunday. Um, I didn't know what that meant or what that was. But during the response time, the youth pastor said, hey, everybody come down and, and, and come to the altar and pray, right? And the, the friends that I was with, they all went down and prayed, and, and it was I think, like, at one moment, I was just standing there by myself. Like, everybody was at the altar, and I was like, this is weird, right? Um, this is awkward, right? Um, I was like, I have a dumb question. <laughs> just kidding. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, you don't want to ruin the response time moment, right? There's, like, pads, and it's so, like, you know, awesome. Um, so I, I didn't know what to do. Everybody went to pray, so I said, I'm going to go pray, right? So I go down to the altar, I get on my knees, and I just start praying. And I don't even know what to pray for. And we had a football game later on that weekend. I said, God... Help me score a touchdown. That'd be awesome. I'll look really cool in front of all my friends. Right? I just started like praying. Like I don't know what to pray for. Right? At that point, I hadn't heard the Lord's Prayer yet. And I was just like, like just not sure what to do. And it was this awkward moment. And I just started telling God stuff. Right? I didn't know that I was supposed to also be listening to God in that moment as well. So, so I say all that to say this. 
if, if you're unsure of how to pray, even if you're like a super Christian, you read your Bible every single day, but maybe all you do is read, but you don't stop and be quiet. Um, we, we have to take those moments of just sitting with God in silence, sitting with God in prayer, conversing with him, letting him know everything that's going on in our lives. Even though he already, he already knows, he still wants to listen, right? And take moments to also listen to what he wants to say. There are no dumb questions. You're never going to forget that phrase. So we're not going to be expert Christians at this time. And here's the danger of what I think happens whenever I kind of look around. Um, and this happens myself too. So I'm kind of opening up and being transparent as best I can, right? Is what happens, I think, when it comes to Christians is that there's this temptation of comparison, right? It is, is whenever we say there are no dumb questions, we're afraid to ask those questions because we're maybe afraid of what the person next to us is going to think, right? So we're like, ah, I don't want them to think that I don't know this stuff, so I'm not going to ask a question. I'm going to wait till there's like a quiet time and I can pull the person aside and ask them by myself, right? We're afraid for what other people are going to think of us. So there's this temptation of comparison where we look at each other as Christians. That's going to be going off and on, so don't worry about that. Um, where we look as, at each other as Christians and we say, man, I don't pray as awesome as that person does, right? That person loves their neighbor so well, I don't even want to talk to my neighbor, right? Man, that person, they've done the Bible reading plan every single day, and I've missed 10 days. That's me, by the way, amen. <laughs> I know, right? And so we, we compare with each other, but that's so dangerous, right? Where, where I believe God is telling us, like, I don't want you to compare to one another. I just want to have a relationship with you, right? Don't worry about how long they, if they pray for two hours in the morning, like, and you pray for two minutes, amen, right? Because we're in this spiritual journey, right? And rather than comparing ourselves to one another, I believe God's calling us to push each other towards Jesus together. So we have to be careful not to have this temptation of comparison because God desires to have a personal relationship with you. He desires to have a personal relationship with me. He doesn't desire for me to have a better prayer life than Larry or Larry to have a better prayer life than me. He just wants us to have a prayer life, right? That's exactly what he wants us to do. And so now my question is this, how do we do that? Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to kind of walk through the words that he gives us in these first two verses. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9 and 10. I'm going to read it one more time. It says this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Lord's Prayer. It's a fascinating passage, right? Ancient, like, fathers from, like, you know, year 100 and 200 and 300, like, way back in the day, ancient theologians, they've written multiple books about this passage. People have preached countless sermons about this passage. The fact that I get to talk about this and read this is amazing to me. Um, and, and so it, it's a very powerful, most well-known, most memorized passage of all of Scripture, right? And so now whenever we get to this passage, uh, here's a question that I, that I want to ask. Is Jesus teaching us that this is the absolute only way to pray? Right? Well, whenever a disciple says, teach us how to pray, and Jesus says, well, say this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, kingdom come, you will be done. Is he saying this, this is the only way to pray, only use these exact words, and that's it, right? I, I believe no, right? I and I tend to believe that Jesus, what he's doing in this moment, is he's teaching us a model pattern of prayer, right? And if you know how to pray, use this as a model, because the reality is this, you can say these exact words, like every single time you pray, and it'll be awesome and great, but if you remember this, Whenever Larry talked last week, if you just read back in the, in the Sermon on the Mount a little bit, Jesus says, don't heap up empty phrases, right? If you remember, we talked about this a long time ago in the Sermon on the Mount. 
But the Sermon on the Mount is all about attacking the root of the issue. It's about going after our hearts and making sure that we have the right motivation in everything we do when it comes to our relationship with God. So if we memorize this prayer, say it every single day, and maybe for the first couple of weeks we have this right heart behind it, but then all of a sudden we just know it's the thing we have to do, and we start saying these exact words, but have no heart behind it, then we're just e- uh, heaping up empty phrases, right? And we're just going back to the same rhythm of pattern of just going through the motions but having no heart behind it. And that's exactly what Jesus warned us against, right? There's a, uh, as I was studying this passage, I read a commentator. He said this, and it was so amazing, that whenever we look at this passage and we memorize it, which is good. Don't, don't hear me say this. I'm not saying don't memorize scripture, right? I think we should do that. Amen. But, but here, here's what I am saying is that in this passage, in this prayer, we can fall into the danger of being too familiar with it, that in its familiarity, we forget its beauty. That's not something I said. It's something he said. I'm just quoting it to you, right? That in, in the familiarity of the Lord's Prayer, we can forget the beauty behind it, right? And so that's why I believe that Jesus is teaching us a pattern of how to pray, that, that as you're praying, as you're approaching God through this, as you're having this conversation with him, go through this pattern because our heart behind our prayers matter. So what does that pattern look like? Here's what I think. If you're taking notes, make sure that everybody's taking notes and no one's judging each other of who's taking notes and not good at prayer. Amen. For the first thing Jesus says is, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Here's the first thing that came to my attention as I started to unpack how we we do this thing called prayer. The first thing is this, is begin prayer by recognizing his relationship with you. That as we start prayer, recognize his relationship with you. Here's what I mean by that. The first two words that Jesus says in this prayer is our Father, right? Our Father. We can read that, and maybe we don't really think a big deal of it because we've heard this prayer so many times. But whenever the disciples heard this, I guarantee that they were just kind of shook by what they just heard Jesus say. Because all they knew about God in this moment was their understanding of God was everything from the Old Testament, right? And so that, that's, that's what they knew about God. They knew God as creator. They knew God as Jehovah. They knew God as that. And, and if, you, if you check this out, God is only referenced as father 14 times in the entire Old Testament, right? So many books, so many stories, referenced as father 14 times. But, but Jesus shows up on the scene, and, and it's not a different God all of a sudden. He's just now revealing God to us in a different way, right? It's the same God. But he references to God as Father almost constantly on a consistent basis. Every time Jesus talks about God the Father, he's always referencing him as Father, right? And he says this, when you pray, say this, our Father. When Jesus comes in the scene, he's not saying Yahweh or El Shaddai or Jehovah. He's saying Father, 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 right? And the beauty behind this word that Jesus uses, in case you didn't know this, the the Bible wasn't originally written in English, right? Uh, there's some people who maybe believe that. I don't know, right? But the Bible originally in the Hebrew, uh, sorry, in the Old Testament written in Hebrew, the New Testament written in Greek, and there's also some Aramaic in there as well. And the word that Jesus uses here for father is a word that is uh, common, everyday, used by everybody. And here's why I think that's so important. Jesus uses father here in his prayer, teaching the disciples a common, everyday word that everybody uses, common everyday language in every pray, meaning that I think this, it's okay for us to converse with God in our common language, right? So maybe you, you hang out with people and, and y'all are talking and you're like, yeah, how was your day? Everything's good. Yeah, awesome. 
uh, you're out to dinner or whatever, and then like, yeah, did you watch the game last night? Yeah, I love the game. And you get food, like, yeah, you want to pray for us? Like, yeah, I'll pray. And they're like, that was Heavenly Father and the greatest of all the realms. And you're just like, what just happened with this person, right? They start talking in all these weird phrases, and you're like, you don't ever talk like that. Why did you pray like that, right? I think Jesus, what he's telling us is we can come to God the way we just come to each other, that we can use our common everyday language. If you talk like that, then by all means, pray like that, right? Amen. But what Jesus is doing is saying, just approach God as the way a child approaches his father, right? As the way children just run up to their dad and just want to hug him. And so we approach God and we just talk to God in that same way, using common everyday language in the way we talk and converse with him, right? We don't talk like that, so we don't have to pray like that, right? That, here, I want to say this statement. Why is this important? Because I believe Jesus is teaching us, you don't have to be this highly religious, spiritual person to have a conversation with God. You don't have to go to seminary, you have to study the Bible for 25 years in order to have a, a, just a prayer with God, right? He's your dad. Just go talk to him, right? That's really what we, ha- what we get to do. There's this intimacy when it comes to praying to God. Don't complicate it. We don't have to make it awkward. Let's just chat it up with him, right? But here's the thing. Our Father, where? In heaven, right? Our Father in heaven. So we begin prayer by recognizing God's relationship with us as our Father by our belief in Jesus. But the second thing we do is this, is we begin prayer by recognizing his position of authority. That he's not just our Father, but he's our Father in heaven, right? We begin prayer by recognizing his position of authority. And so let me say this statement. Just because we're able to approach God with this level of intimacy as our Father, it doesn't mean that we forget his position of authority. We can approach God with intimacy, but he's also full of authority, right? And we have to remember that in our prayers, and that's super important to understand the next thing that that Jesus is about to say, but I'll get to that here in a second. So in other words, even though God is our Father, he's still the most powerful being there is, right? This is the same God who back in Genesis chapter 1 speaks things into existence. Whatever God wanted to happen, he just spoke and that thing happened, right? Let there be lights. Let there be all these crazy animals in the sea. Let there be all these crazy animals in the land. Let there be all this stuff, and those stuff happened by the word of his mouth, right? It's the same powerful God who spoke the world into existence. But we also got to remember this. We, we, we kind of put the two things together, that the same God who spoke the world into existence, he desires to speak to us every single day, right? It's a personal God, an intimate God. He wants to have an intimate relationship with us, but he's also got full of authority, and he desires to speak to us. And so here's what I noticed as I kind of spent some time uh, looking at the first two verses here. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. His, his name is holy and set apart from everybody else. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Here's a couple things I noticed because whenever I like learned how to pray or whenever I thought I knew how to pray, what was I doing? I was asking God to help me score football touchdowns, right? I didn't know how to pray. But, but, but what I think the, the danger is this, is that oftentimes whenever we approach God in prayer, we just start asking for stuff, right? God, I need help with this, which is not a bad thing. God, I, I, I need this. God, I need that. God, I want this. I want that, right? We, we, we take our needs and wants and we blend them together, right? And we just start asking God for stuff, right? Another, another word for that is, is we ask God for these petitions, right? But when you look at Jesus, as he begins this model prayer, there's nothing to do in these first two verses with our stuff, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. 
this entire prayer at the beginning is solely focused on God. And it's focused on aligning ourselves with what God wants us to do in this world. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So here's what I said, that we cannot forget his, his, uh, his level of authority as we're, as we're practicing this level of intimacy with God. Why? Because the next thing that Jesus tells us is a very powerful phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done. And if you unpack that phrase, to me, that's a scary, scary verse to pray. And let me tell you why, like why I think that. Because so many times in prayer, we just, God, give me stuff, right? Like, like if God is his genie and we can just, you know, ask him for three wishes and all of a sudden he's going to grant us his wishes, right? It's not going to happen, right? But when we pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done, what we're doing is we're telling God, I'm ready to be used by you, right? I'm willing to let go of my selfish desires, to let go of the plans that I have made for myself, to follow the purpose that you have for me in this life, right? And that's a scary thing to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done, right? Not our kingdom come, right? Not the kingdom of Danny, right? Not Danny's will be done. It's God's will, whatever he wants to do with this. And whenever we pray that, he makes us, or not makes us, but he gets us to do crazy, amazing things, right? That we get to see the kingdom of God expand. But whenever we pray that prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, what God does is something like this. He takes us from an area that all we knew our entire life where all our family and friends are, and he moves us across the country to a place we've never lived at, right? Amen? Right? That's what happens, right? If this was my plan and my will, like, I don't know if I ever would have thought of moving to New York City, but God's like, hey, this is what I want you to do, right? Because I was aligning myself with his purposes, and all of a sudden, Summer and I started feeling God moving us in a certain direction, and then he just moved us here. We're like, what in the world just happened, right? Whenever we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we have no idea what he's going to ask us to do. But the beauty behind all that is we get to see God move in ways that we would have never seen him move outside of just saying, God, we want to see you do amazing things here. And we pray your kingdom come, your will be done, right? So when we look at this prayer, what we realize is that as Jesus is teaching us how to pray, the first thing he does, he says, focus upward towards God the Father, right? Second thing he teaches us is focus outwards towards others because your kingdom come, your will be done is about going after the mission that God has for us here on this earth. Nothing about our wants, nothing about our needs yet. And this is a hard prayer to pray, right? Because by saying these words, we're aligning ourselves with God's purposes rather than going after our own plans. I want to talk about your kingdom come, you will be done for a little bit. What does that mean? See, the kingdom of God is, is like this, you know, it's kind of, a, it's kind of a, a blurry thing to understand, right? Maybe one day we'll just do a whole series on the kingdom of God, and I'll let Larry teach it all. The kingdom of God, it, it's like, 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 what does that look like, right? Well, it, how do we understand what the kingdom of God is like? But if you remember this, we talked about this like back a while back. But one thing that Jesus was so passionate about was the kingdom of God, right? Whenever Jesus started preaching and his first message, if you remember this, was the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, is at hand right now, meaning it's here, right? It's at arm's reach. Repent and believe, right? The kingdom of God, in other words, what Jesus is saying, it's right now, right? But there's also this understanding that whenever you look at the city around us, whenever you look at the neighborhood around us, what do you all see? Brokenness, hurt. Pain, sickness, injustice. We see all this stuff happening around us, and you're thinking, well, Jesus said the kingdom of God is now, but look at all this terrible stuff happening all around us, right? So how can it be now, right? See, God invites us to be a part of the mission of bringing the kingdom. 
Because here's another thing that we believe that the Bible teaches us, is the kingdom of God is not only now, but it's also to come. That one day, Jesus is going to come in full victory and full glory, right? The kingdom of God is now, but it's also to come. So we live right now in this kind of weird moment of the kingdom of God is now, but the kingdom of God is also to come, and we're like right here, right in the middle. Like, what do we do, right? If the kingdom of God is here, but it's also to come, there's brokenness all around me, and I see all that, and I feel all that, well, what do we do? I want us to, to go to a passage, uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, starting in verse 4. It'll be on the screen if you don't want to turn there. So what do we do in the kingdom of God now, the kingdom of God to come? What's our role as we're praying this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done? Jeremiah 29, starting in verse 4, says this. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. It's, it's this weird moment of what's going on right here in Jeremiah, that God's people are in exile, living in somewhere else where, like, they're not from, right? They're exiles into this area called Babylon. Right now, what you have to understand is that this is not our, our home forever, right? That Jesus right now is preparing a place for us, right? Book of John chapter, like, 14 or something like that. That we're, we're, a mansion is getting ready for us, and we're going to spend eternity with him, right? So this is not our home. Jeremiah says that to, to God's people right here, too. And here's what he says. As you're living in this, in this area that, that you're not going to be living at forever, I have sent you there. Here's what I want you to do. Verse 5. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find welfare. We'll pause right there. Um, we have two mission statements uh, that, that really signify who we are as Queen's Church. The first one is Jesus is our passion. Anyone know what the second one is? Love is our mission, right? It's on his hoodie right there, right? And so, so what do we do in this middle, like, weird, awkward stage of where the kingdom of God is now, but it's also to come? We love as our mission, right? That we go and make disciples, that we seek the welfare of the city around us, right? And so I, I know for me, like, this is kind of like, I'm still, like, in this honeymoon phase where I love New York City, right? Where, like, I don't mind the MTA and people are like, y'all are crazy, right? You ever been stuck in the subway? It's like the, the subway system blows my mind, right? It's like how they're able to dig underground and make millions of people get around, it blows my mind. But, like, for the, for the locals, they're like, this is the worst idea ever. It's like, what? Blows my mind, right? And so, so here's the thing, is, is I feel like what we're doing in praying your kingdom come, your will be done, is that we're asking God to fix our focus as we look at the world around us. Because maybe you've been in your neighborhood for 30, 40 years, and all you see is the brokenness, but yet Jesus sees its beauty in the midst of all that brokenness, and he sees what the neighborhood could one day become. And he invites us to be a part of that. Love is our mission to go after these people and love them, whether they believe in Jesus or not, right? And we get to be a part of that. That's the, the, what we do in this weird situation right here, right, is that as we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we're asking God fix our focus with how we're supposed to love the people around us, with how we're supposed to see this area around us, because oftentimes what we do is maybe we look at everything from a distance, and, and, and we're not seeing what God wants us to see, right? Um, so fix our focus. Maybe, maybe you've been in, in biology before, and like you have to like, like, like look at something to a little microscope looking thing, Right, whenever you put that thing under there and you adjust it, whatever, however it's supposed to be, do you look at like the telescope or microscope from a distance? 
No, you put your eye right up on that, right? And say, I, I got to see it, right? All of a sudden, now you can see it. And you can now study it and see what, what, what's all up in there, right? We have to fix our focus. And the only way I think to fix our focus is getting up close and personal, right? Whenever Jesus called his disciples to follow him, he didn't say, follow me from a distance. Y'all stay over there. I'm going to be right here, right? He said, no, follow me, right? And as they were following him, they were watching Jesus. And they saw Jesus pray. And they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray like that, right? And then Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done, right? Pray that prayer. And now they're fixing their focus off of themselves to now go after the mission that God is calling them to go after. There's sometimes where this happens. If you ever talk to my wife, Summer, uh, you have to realize that you got to be really close to her because she talks really, really soft, right? Amen. And so the other day we were on the subway and she was trying to talk to me. And, and, and I, I told her, don't feel weird, but my eyes are not looking at your eyes because I was trying to read her lips because I couldn't hear what she was saying, right? And so sometimes I have to get really close and just like, I'm gonna read your lips because I can't really understand what you're saying right now, but, but to keep talking, right? We're having a conversation, right? So as we're praying this prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. What we're doing is we're fixing our focus to align ourselves with God's mission for this place first, right? Later on, we're going to get to praying for our needs and, and praying for those other things. But the beginning of all this is recognizing that we get to approach God by our belief and faith in Jesus. We get to approach God as Father, right? We get to come into his presence, right? That there's no more curtain there blocking us from our relationship with God. But also understand that he is in heaven, hallowed is his name, full of authority, and that he gets to direct us in the way that we're going to go. And that we, our job, is to continue to approach him in prayer and continue to approach him in this sort of way to where he continues to lead us and guide us in whatever direction that he wants us to go. And we follow him closely. Because the further and further we are away, we're going to lose our focus and then we're going to start doing things of our own passion, doing things of our own desires. Jesus says, hey, fix your focus. Get up close and personal. And the way we do that is by spending time with him in prayer, by spending time in his word. We can't read the Bible if it's in the other side of the room, right? We've got to put the Bible up close and personal with us, and we spend time with him in those sort of ways. And so let's respond this morning. The beauty behind all this is that Jesus didn't just say these words, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. He didn't just say those things and said, all right, guys, see you guys later, right? He lived it out himself, right? You all remember the moment when Jesus was praying in the garden, about to go to the cross, and, and just experiencing the weight and, and the physical weight of all what, what was about to happen to him, knowing that he was about to go to the cross. He tells God this, God, please take this away from me. But even if you don't, your will be done, not mine, right? That Jesus shows the disciples that it's about the will of the Father, right? And in prayer and in agony, sweating, praying this prayer towards God, your will be done. He shows us that because every time we pray that prayer, we have to understand is this, it's that we're willing to sacrifice whatever it takes to accomplish the will of the Father. And Jesus says, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to accomplish this will. And for God the Father, the will for Jesus was to go to the cross because of the separation that exists between us and God. And Jesus says, here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the cross. And by your faith in me, by what was accomplished on the cross, you get to have this relationship with God the Father, right? It's a beautiful thing. It's the beauty of the gospel, right? And so here's what I want to say, that, that maybe right now for you, you have yet to make a decision to follow Jesus, that maybe you've been following Jesus from a distance, and Jesus is calling you, hey, come close, get personal. I don't want you to follow from a distance. I want you to follow close by, right? 
And then all of a sudden, he, he's calling you to himself, that he desires to have a personal, intimate relationship with you. And maybe your relationship with God has only been through a church, but he says, I want to have a relationship with you also, not just, not just you're showing up at church, right? So if you need to respond to him in that way and say, I've never actually placed my faith in Jesus, there's going to be prayer people in the back. Go talk to them. Ask them questions about faith. They want to tell you about Jesus, right? And remember earlier what I said? There are no dumb questions, right? Ask them whatever you want to ask them. There's no shame, right? There's no guilt in what you want to know about God, want to know about Jesus, want to know how to best follow Jesus, right? And, and maybe for you, like you, you've been following Jesus, you know him as your Lord and Savior and all that stuff, but, but your perspective, your focus of the city, your focus of this neighborhood has been one like, there's too much brokenness around here, right? I'm out, right? I'm going to show up to church, but I'm out after that. And you go home and you hang out and that's it. But yet God is calling us on mission with him to go love the neighborhood around it, to go love the city around us, right? And maybe your prayer today is asking God, what do, what, what do you want me to do, right? Who are those five people that I need to invite? Who are those five people that I need to go and love, right? And, and you need to just, just pray with someone that I need help fixing my focus and loving the people around me. Your kingdom come, your will be done, not ours. Father God, we love you. We thank you so much for all that you've done for us, God. We thank you for making a way for us back to you through the person of Jesus. God, it was through the cross, through everything that you accomplished on there, that, that we get to have a relationship with you, God, that you desire to have a personal, intimate relationship with us, but that you are full of authority and you get to decide where we go and you get to decide all that we get to be a part of, God. So I pray that we would joyfully be a part of this relationship with you, that we would not be awkward, we would not be weird about this, but we get to approach you in prayer every single day. We get to approach your word every single day, God. So I pray that right now, we would not be afraid to be able to approach you right now, that we would respond the way you're calling us to respond. And God, that you would just move in ways that you want to move, God. God, do something amazing here right now, God, and continue to do amazing things through your people, through us here at Queen's Church. We love you, praise you so much. Amen. Uh, let's all stand.